Okay, so this episode, um, I kind of wanted to, actually, I wanted to have two guests on, um, but separate interviews. Uh, And I was just kind of inspired because I've been doing a lot of yoga this week, which is different than what I've, well, I've, I'll be honest, I've been trying to grow, I've been trying to grow my ass. I've been trying to uh, plump it up a bit, you know, Um, but I had to kind of take a step back recently And I'm not sure if it's my iron deficiency acting up or if I (laughs) am just experiencing a different level of anxiety. Um, But I was like working out this week and I was like, whatever, lifting some weights. And I just started feeling super lightheaded and nauseous. And I was like, okay, maybe, uh, maybe I was pushing it a little bit. Um, So I've kind of taken a step back from that and I've been doing yoga and like meditation recently. So I kind of like flip flop between the two. Thankfully, I have a couple of friends who are also comedians that also practice yoga and meditation and also more of like a vigorous workout routine. Um, So I just wanted to have them on the podcast and like chat about what the benefits are, because I find it so fascinating. And uh, working out, I feel like some people believe is just like, it's one thing or nothing, but you can, you can find so many benefits from, uh, you know, practicing each of those workout routines. It's just about thinking intuitively, I guess, and just kind of going with not what you think you need, but just what your body needs at, at that moment. And that's kind of something that I've been focusing on. So I'm not sure if that's something that you guys are focusing on or thinking about at all, but, um, Yeah, that's kind of where my head has been at this week. So I just uh, wanted to chat about it. My first guest is comedian and friend Dina Jackson. She's a Toronto-based stand-up comedian, speaker, and writer, and host of a podcast called The Ego Podcast. I believe that's available on all streaming platforms, so be sure to check it out. And she also has a lovely TED Talk um, titled 90% of Yoga is Off the Mat, and it's super informative. Um, She does such an amazing job. So if yoga is something that you're interested in, I highly recommend checking it out. And my other guest on the podcast is comedian and friend Jen LaBelle, who just tours the country doing stand-up. She's done the Halifax Comedy Festival, so I believe you can catch her taping. She also has a fantastic Instagram page called All Things Fit and Funny, where you can check out her live stream workouts, um, get more information about, you know, working out and finding the modifications that work for you and things like that. And, uh, and watch her comedy clips as well. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode because I think it's different than the other episodes that I've had on, but just like in the best way. Um, and yeah, enjoy. Um, But I wanted to have you on specifically because I know that yoga and meditation is something that I personally struggle with, like keeping my motivation for it and, uh, and just like exercise in general, I find Mm. I I have like the kind of anxiety right now where like, I feel like it can be exacerbated by intense movement. So like yoga is like the perfect thing. Right. I just get lazy to do it. So it's just like the cycle. Um, yeah, 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 totally. Okay. And I think that's natural. That's really normal. Yeah. So I guess my first question for you is when did you start practicing yoga and and why did you start practicing yoga? Was there something that triggered that change for you or? 
Yeah. Um, cool. Well, first of all, I think it's great that you're practicing yoga. I think that the fact that you took some time to figure out something physical that's working for you um, and uh, like that you tried out, I'm imagining you probably tried out a few things if you were saying that that exacerbates your anxiety and that you're, you feel like, you know, certain physical exercise isn't for you. That's great. That means that you were like, okay, no, I'm going to try this and then I'm going to try this. Right. And so I think that, um, that's amazing in terms of yoga itself i studied yoga for a few years without understanding what it was about so i didn't understand the philosophy behind it i didn't understand that it was a form of meditation um, i really just thought it was a physical exercise and i thought that it was just something that you know people do headstands on instagram like that that's what i thought um that's what i thought it was so it changed for me probably about five years ago. I went through some personal trauma, which we're all gonna go through at different periods of our life, right? Like we're like things are gonna happen, life's gonna happen, and we need to be prepared, right? We need to have like systems in place that help us manage those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, when I it was actually so five years ago, no, six years ago, my dad got very sick and he passed away, and I had to deal with that. And then I went through a divorce and it was just kind of like my whole world started crashing down um, during this two year time frame. And I went on a yoga retreat during that time, which is very eat, pray, love of me, you know, like very like me finding myself nonsense. But whatever, I did that. And I really started to understand the philosophy of yoga when I was there because we started reading about the yoga sutras, just understanding how the mind works. And those were things that I just wasn't taught growing up here. And um, so then I went on a few years later and did my yoga teacher training in the south of India in Goa. And there, there I really learned about the philosophy of it. So for me, it's about the physical, but it's also as much about the meditation as it is about the physical. So I would say, yeah, it was probably about five years ago that I went through trauma. And then I found that to be my sort of way of dealing with it and starting to learn how to manage my emotions, process my emotions. That's why I like a yoga practice so much because you do all of these postures and you're getting all this energy out of your body that's just kind of stagnant in there. And then when you're still at the end, you know, when you get to lie down and be the the dead bug, that's when all of your emotions or whatever's going on is coming up. So for you, in your case, if you're feeling that um, apprehension to do it, that kind of just feeling a little bit sluggish or lazy and whatever, and that's totally normal, um, I would say really try to push yourself a little bit more just to do like 10, 15 minutes because there's probably a reason. There's probably something in there that needs to come out. And you'll that's probably it's those days on those days when I feel that much that more anxious that more anxious when I feel that level of anxious that I know I need to do something physical. But I know a lot of people don't like yoga and that's why I just encourage trying to find something physical that works for you and then you can use that as your practice and then you can try something like meditation because you're getting all that energy out of your body and then you can spend some time being still. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear about that. That, that sounds fucking terrible. Um, but to, to your point of having that energy, having, having to find an outlet, Mm. um, I find that yoga, unlike going downstairs and like working on what lifting weights and stuff like that, I don't 
it creates a lot of mental unrest. Then it's like, okay, I've, I've kind of gotten like energy out, but still mentally, I feel very like unrested. Right. Yeah, 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 um, totally. Whereas like yoga, when you get into like a yoga flow and you can actually be mindful, like you're thinking about your breathing, you're thinking about these different positions, you're stretching, like it's, it's so different than, um, than working out. And uh, for me, I find personally, that's like the best one. And then with the meditation, I also can't meditate until after I've done some sort of physical activity. Like I, it, it's very hard for me to like sit still and kind of concentrate. Like my mom's downstairs on a conference call uh, and just everybody, you know, I live in a house with my family. So there's always something happening, but after a workout or like after doing like a, a long yoga session is, is when it's the most effective for sure. That's cool that you found that on your own. Uh, cause I didn't realize that those two things were correlated and um, I learned that all of the sages, like all the creators of yoga, they, the reason that they did that was because like they created the postures is because they were sitting in meditation for like seven hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, and their bodies were getting really stiff. And, you know, they were feeling all this energy is just kind of stagnant sitting there. It was really uncomfortable. So they created these postures so that they could meditate. Wow. Yeah. So it makes sense that you, like, the fact that you figured that out on your own, me too. I was like, I don't know why I need this, but I know it needs to be get that energy, that stagnant stuff out. And then I can go and spend some time being still. And if that means just taking a quiet shower and practicing mindfulness throughout your shower, if you don't want to do a seated meditation, that's fine. You can also do walking meditations. Like that's why I really, I'm an advocate for trying different things out because one thing might work really well for someone like you found yoga, but someone else might love running, which I personally hate. Like I can't, both of my sisters run marathons, like good for them. You know what I mean? Like I can't, it's just not my thing. And I try doing it. I pull a muscle. Like I've, uh, I've got, it's got to be in a brace. Like this is the level of what happens when I try to run, you know? So we've all got our stuff, right? So good for you. That's awesome. Okay, so I didn't know that. That's so fascinating. Um, also walking meditation. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that? Yeah, of course. So there's different practices. So for me, I practice mindfulness. That's like my, so it's a little bit different than a traditional meditation and mindfulness. You can do it seated, but you can also do it walking. You can also turn an everyday exercise like a shower into mindfulness. And so for a walking meditation, basically what you're doing is you're doing body awareness. Have you ever done a, a body scan before? Yes, but I feel like I did it wrong. Cause I like, no, no, I'm <laughs> sure you did it. I'm sure you did it right. Um, but a body scan is essentially you're closing your eyes and you're in your mind's eye. You're imagining your, you know, the top of your head, the space in between your eyebrows, your throat, you're moving down spaces in the body, or maybe you're doing your fingertips, whatever, but you're moving up or down the body. That's a body scan. So you're gaining body awareness. That's one practice of mindfulness. So another one when you're walking is you may have like a mantra. So a word that you like to use in the background um, or you, your breath. And you, that's just kind of going on in the background. So some people do this during seated meditation. But when you're walking, you're noticing your body as you walk. So you're noticing your legs walking out. Similar to that body scan, you're just becoming very, very aware of the body while it's moving and keeping that breath or mantra in the background. So that's, that's one, that's a mindfulness walking meditation. There's also just um, guided meditations you can do while walking on apps like Calm. Have you ever used Calm before? Nope. 
Calm's a great one. Uh, calm, Headspace, like any of those ones. But Calm is cool because there it'll be like a version of a story or a guided meditation where you're just guided to notice nature around you, um, notice sounds, smells, just get really in touch with your senses. So that's something they offer on that app. I always mention that app and I'm not like sponsored by them or anything. I just, it's great. Like it's a, it's a really good app. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So that's I would say, yeah. I, 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 I love that. Um, and especially like when I, like, I like going for walks too, but I always walk with headphones in and I'm always like listening to music and it's always like very loud and it's usually like rap and it's like aggressive music that is scary. And I'm right. like, why don't I just take my headphones out? And cause sometimes there's also for me, there's like a fear of being in the present moment and just like realizing everything that's going wrong in the world. And then kind of I'm somebody who's afraid to be alone with my own thoughts for too long because then it they just become too loud so I'm like if I go I'll just put on a podcast or put on a thing but I find that when I get back from that walk even though I did this physical thing mentally I don't feel rested and when I'm walking without headphones like I did this week for like a week with no music and I went for walks wasn't listening to any music and just to like be in nature and just hear the sounds of my own footsteps. When I got back, I felt the full effect of going on the walk and it wasn't just, uh, you know, physical tiredness. That's awesome. I yeah. think you're right. A lot of us, I, I spent a lot of time feeling that way. So like, it's like, as soon as, you know, all of the busyness stops, then you're stuck there and you're stuck with all of your anxiety and all your feelings and all that stuff comes up. And so a natural inclination for me, and I know that's been the case for other people, is to just suppress, 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 like just push it away. Um, but then when you do that, it'll explode at a random time. Either you'll be you'll feel very overly emotional, maybe you'll just feel like crying, or you might be like me and suffer from terrible road rage and like I have to work on that all the time. Like I've followed people, I've snapped <laughs> on people, like that's a reality that has not. And so when that comes up, like I feel that happening in my heart again, um, I know that I'm behind in my practice. So if you do keep at it with something like mindfulness, because mindfulness, you're noticing your emotions. So in that walking meditation I brought up, that's one you can do. And then eventually over time, you'll start to notice as you become aware of the body, you'll actually start to notice how you're feeling as well. So like anxiety can often feel like a spider web around your nervous system or like grief can kind of sit in the heart. So you start to notice where in the body those emotions are sitting and it kind of helps with processing because then you're letting them come up. And so I like to think of it like, you know, like farts, right? Like if you shove a fart in there and you don't let it out, like it's gross, but yep. that's horrible. Like that's a bad situation. Whereas it's, if you just let it out, right, then it sucks for a minute and then it's gone. Yeah, 100%. I am also a victim of trapped gas. So that <laughs> you're holding a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> Girl, you don't even know. So you gotta much. release some of that. I, uh, yeah, just tossing and turning, just painful stories. <laughs> Well, yeah, if you got all that gas in there and all that, all those emotions, that's a lot, yeah. that's a stew. You got to get yeah. that out. <laughs> um, uh, God, just a side note. I would love to see you in like a rage mode. I would love to see you because you're, you're such a calm, relaxed person to me. Oh. Like when I see you, I'm like, man, I wish I was that Zen. Like Dina is not <laughs> the Zen 
going on and uh just to imagine you following somebody in a car it's so funny oh that's really nice i i'm happy that you think that but i you know actually there was one thing um did you ever see the mr rogers documentary no i love it i love him i'm all about mr rogers big time and the movie <laughs> huge fan uh the movie with tom hanks is good but i don't i don't like it as much as the documentary they're both great but anyway i think it was in the movie where someone asked his wife because you know he you, you're familiar with him right like he did all wonderful great things for children all that um and he his someone asked his wife they were like how does he keep it so together like how is he so happy and cheerful all the time and she's like he has to work at it every yeah. day he goes and swim swims lengths in the pool like he has to process his emotions and so yeah i appreciate that you see that version of me but it's certainly not the case all the time and yeah like the road rage stuff comes up i mean i'm from i mean i know this is a podcast reaching everyone but anyone who's familiar with scarborough like that side of me comes up and i can't let it go that's where i was raised and so it's just snapping um losing it on people actually my, barry my boyfriend and i on our first date um he wanted to take me over to the toronto island and uh there was a water taxi driver, a young kid, I'd say he was about 17. And he took us over there 10 minutes before 11 because he was like, oh, there's a, um, a a music night, like an open mic night on the island. And we're like, oh, what a great first date or whatever. So we went to do it, but he failed to tell us that the island was shutting down at 11 p.m. So we had 10 minutes to get there and we arrived and they're like last boat or you're stranded so we immediately had to run back onto the ferry so i saw the kid just hanging out at the docks and i let him have it and actually barry said that he found it attractive i don't know that he <laughs> i don't know that he would still uh think that but yeah oh that's so, so funny <laughs> but it's not a part of me that i'm proud of that's why i try to work on that <laughs> amazing um oh god that's so funny i'm just thinking about my the, the only person that i know who has like significant road rage is like my aunt mm -hmm. and yeah she's just like this super loud like italian woman she's like in her 60s now she doesn't give a fuck about anything like she just let like she is absolutely psychotic on the road and it's so funny but also i'm like okay she's also not working on herself so that's on? like a different issue but she's right. no problem with that at all yeah. italian women are the best like they don't hold back i love it like i've seen that firsthand so i would love to meet your aunt i feel like her and i could connect yeah i can aunt. understand where she's coming from with the rage i do get it right and my yeah. mom's like that too but then it's like then i'm the one that ends up going to therapy but that's a different right. that's for a different <laughs> podcast yeah uh, you're doing the work for everybody that's right. That's right. Um, so I was going to say about uh, like the walking meditation and stuff. I, I find that for me, it can be hard. Like I, I'm definitely, again, one of those people that like suppresses and suppresses and suppresses. And then I will literally just like be in a plant shop and just be like, I have to leave because I'm going to start crying and I don't want to cry in front of this flower shop lady who's being so nice. Right. Because uh, that's scary. Yeah. But it, I find like in those moments, it's so hard to like regain control because you've mm -hmm. gone, I've gone so long without it being monitored. And I, I'm somebody who has like OCD, like I'm get very hung up on like doors being locked and like things being off. And like, before I go to sleep, I'm like up and down the stairs, like checking the doors like a million times. And uh, when I first started therapy, 
I didn't know that that was an issue. I just thought it was like this thing. I was like, I, I guess I just think someone's constantly going to break into my house for whatever reason. Uh, like I'm some sort of mob target and people <laughs> just don't want to find me for some reason. Right. <laughs> uh, and then I started therapy and he's like, yeah, you need to stop doing that. Cause it's going to start trickling into other areas of your life and in your mental health, like in ways that you don't know yet. So I'm like, okay, great. Yeah, that's scary. So then I started working on it. Stop doing that. Good and for then, you. Yeah. That's a huge shift. Like that's a big move. Good for it's you. A big, it's a big move, but it's also part of my anxiety is like having lost control of my mental state or of my health or something like that. So I was like, okay, we've got to get that under control. So let's fix it right now. Mm -hmm. um, and then I noticed like a, a few months, like after the pandemic happened, this was in like November, December of last year, 2020. Uh, I started checking again and I had been out of therapy for a decent amount of time because I just thought I had fixed the problem and it goes back to what you were saying about knowing what those symptoms are and like trying to get ahead of them and I was like okay I was like my mind is telling me that I need to go downstairs and check the door again even though I just did so I need to either call my therapist and like work on it right now or again start meditating doing yoga practicing having better routines and stuff so it's about like just getting ahead of that but knowing what your symptoms are um, is also huge. And that also takes a lot of work. So like, if you're somebody who doesn't know what they are immediately, um, then that's okay. That's, it's totally normal and it takes time. Totally. And just by taking the first step for you um, and for anyone, like going, starting to therapy and saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to embrace this time. This is important for me. And then from there you start learning about, yeah, what your symptoms are. I don't like to use the word triggers, but whatever is bringing that up, whatever is doing that. And it can happen at a random time. It can happen in a flower shop. And, you know, it sounds like for you, in your case, you're feeling overly emotional and it comes up and you may, may feel like you're going to cry. For me, it's anger and anger comes up and I just feel like I'm going to snap. And like, neither one is what you or I want to happen. But like you said, if you can really start to notice when it's starting to come to the surface and what is kind of um, aggregate, like what are, what, what's poking those things, right? Like what is doing, have you been inside all day? Yeah. Have you not talked to someone outside of your, you know, virtual world? Have you like gone for a walk, like literally done anything physical just to get grounded? Because sometimes it can be something as simple as that, that makes a huge difference. Um, I remember one time when I was like, when I was going through a rough patch um like a few years ago and i what this wasn't part of my routine i remember i called my sister and i was like i just feel so down and she said well why don't you just go outside for a walk and it was such a simple thing and i've done lots of work since then but like that was such a simple thing that i was like yeah you're right i should do that and since then that's like huge part of of my routine is just checking in have i done something physical have i tried a meditation have I gone outside? Those are the three things. Yeah. Those are every day I need to check in. And then um, I also look at, do I have something to do today? Do I have something to love today? And that could be a project or a person or an animal um, and something to look forward to today. So I always try to make write that down on my whiteboard. That is so inspiring. <laughs> look at my, look at me. Let, let me just write that down on my whiteboard. Yeah, of course. Um, it came from my, my grandma and my mother. My grandma, my mother, and I, so the female lineage in my family. But that's uh, – my grandma just, like, 
before she passed away, she had this wonderful energy energy about her. And she was always, when she was around my family, my family just got so happy because she was like the center. And we just wanted to live life the way she did. And that's the best example that anyone can lead is yeah. just by living a blissful, happy life. And that's what she was doing. And she was this British woman. She'd be like, okay, dear, no, I'm going to botch this. I'm not a British, like I'm not good at that accent. But she's like, okay, dear. So just make sure you have something to do something to love, something to look forward to every day. And I was like, that's so sweet. <laughs> I'm going to look at this. Anxiety who? In my <laughs> 20s and I have a fucking whiteboard. That's No, I think it's great that you have a whiteboard. I'm a huge, I have a whiteboard too. I'm all really? about whiteboards. Oh yeah, I've got a whiteboard. I right, got, here. right here. I love it. Yeah, I love it. My handwriting is terrible. Um, that and that can be amazing. something simple. Sorry, I was, that can be something simple too. Like it could be, I'm going to talk to a friend later in the week that I haven't spoken to in a while, or I'm going to take a bath and I'm going to put the oils in there and the, and the Epsom salts or whatever, like whatever it is that you're looking forward to just a little thing um, that can like make a huge difference, I think. Oh my God. Is that not like the most simple, beautiful thing? Like that is amazing. And it doesn't have to be, you're right. It doesn't have to be something huge. Cause my immediate thought was like, what is there to look forward to right now? Like the only thing that I used to look forward to was like going to comedy shows, mm. socializing, you know, it's what our lives revolved around, but I'm just like, it's about, it's not even about that. That shouldn't even have been something to look forward to. Even at that point, it's like just enjoying the small things in life. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, but you can look forward to anything. I mean, whatever's yeah. going to bring you joy as long, as long as it's not going to make someone else have a bad afternoon or evening. I'm looking forward to yelling at somebody at Walmart later. Yeah. yeah. As long as you're not hurting or snapping on somebody, then I think you're good. But um, yeah, no, it can be literally anything as long as it lifts your mood. So yeah, of course, that's a little bit more challenging during a pandemic. But like you said, it's just those little things, those little adjustments. Like, you know, I, I talked to a friend last week who I haven't spoken to in a while, and she lives out on the other side of the country. And it was just so nice to hear her voice. Like that was it. And I can do that whenever you can do that whenever. Um, I love like I said, I'll keep mentioning the bath, you know, run a bath <laughs> my one friend tells me to stop pushing that because it's not good for the environment which i hear i get it i'm not saying do it every day or maybe i don't know anyway do your thing but i'm saying put that on a little bit of the epsom salts a little bit of the candles a bit of the enya i mean listen do what you gotta do that's yeah do what you gotta do <laughs> actually one of my friends also loves baths and i actually don't like baths okay so, then that's not your thing <laughs> i criticize her for it all the time i'm just like your bath like she loves baths so much that I, I think she like fetishizes them to a, a degree. Like I'm like, okay. <laughs> this represents more than a tub of water to you. This is like a hug from your dad that you haven't spoken to. There, there's some alternative. <laughs> okay. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I think anything is good in moderation. So we're not yeah. getting to the point where you're doing all your calls out of the bath. Like, no, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, something simple. That's all. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I find that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have like grandparents and like they are just such a source of inspiration because they do enjoy the small things in life. Like it's not always about the big picture to them. Um, you know, like my grandparents would always say like, and it was just, and again, it was just so simple and it would just keep me in check. Like I'd just be there kind of like complaining about something or I'd be like, you know, I'm kind of like stressed out about this. And they'd be like, enjoy your life. They'd be like, what are you doing? Like life is just to be enjoyed go enjoy your life. And then they would just like fill my cup up with wine. Like they were just constantly with the wine, these people. 
And uh, they're trying to make you, they're bringing a little bit of joy to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I think it was, I don't know if you've heard of Wayne Dyer, but he's, uh, or he's passed away now, but he was an author and a speaker. He was like, very close with Deepak Chopra and into the whole, uh, the spiritual world. And I, I read a lot of his books and I think that one thing he always said that has really resonated with me is to look at your life, um, as if you're on your deathbed and not in a depressing way that can sound really depressing, but how would somebody on their deathbed look back on their life? They would look back and say, okay, here are some people that I loved you know, that I had some great moments with, maybe some places I traveled to, maybe some cool creative things I got to do. That's about it. You know, you're not thinking about like these tiny little details that you might be so hyper-focused on right now. Um, so I always try to remember that. I'm like in the larger scheme of things, like this really doesn't matter. And I, I have to remind myself of that a lot, but I always thought that was a good piece of advice. I like that. Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely. That's so true. 100%. And I'm just like, you know, you never know what's going to happen to you in life. I'm like, you don't know if you're what's going to happen to your health. You don't know, like there's going to be things that are out of your control, you know, like your mm-hmm. life is not always going to look like this or whatever. So it's like, just enjoy the moments that you do have as like totally. a healthy living person, you know? Totally. And then also, like you said, because you know, you don't know how life's going to go. Yes, you could, you could get sick or, or whatever. Um, but also like people, you know, and care about who are big pillars in your life, like all of a sudden they could get sick or they could pass away or whatever. And so when you have a regular wellness practice, you have something that you do that works for you. Um, that is, kind of something you can rely on. Like it's a a regular routine, like a yoga practice, or maybe you do go for a run or something physical. And then you spend, okay, I'm going to try five, 10 minutes meditating. And I'm just going to commit to that a day. And I'm not going to do an hour because that's a crazy bit of expectation, but I'm going to just try and do some meditation for five or 10 minutes a day. You're building that balance for yourself by doing that. And so- yeah, then you're more prepared to kind of take on some of those challenges that life is going to throw at you, right? Um, yeah, 100%. And uh, I think sometimes, like, even as I'm like talking about it, I'm just like, man, like, uh, enjoying the little things in life, and not always looking at the big picture that takes work, like, it's not something that comes easy to people. I'm not sure why that is. Uh, I think we've, especially in like, Western culture have, I think, moved away from from that. And um, whatever. But I just think that one way to, to do that is by being more mindful and just being Mm -hmm. more aware and just living in the present moment and taking it for what it is. It's not like you have to wake up every morning or you could, and just be like, okay, I'm grateful for this, this, and this, and this, and this. And like doing that also takes work. You're not always going to remember to do that. And that's like one way to do it. But if you can just like be mindful for at least 10 minutes a day, and then it just slowly increases, increases. And then, you know, listing the things that you're grateful for just comes like automatic to you. And it's not something mm-hmm. that you have to like, okay, I have to sit down with my book now and write out things that I'm grateful for. It just comes naturally to you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Anything, yeah. any kind of, any gratitude work that you can do is always going to be 
helpful. Um, I feel the same way about any of these practices that I do about the physical stuff, like gratitude might really work for somebody and keeping a gratitude journal might be great. Um, but it may not be for someone else. Some people really like affirmations, you know, they like to put things down on their, their mirror on a sticky note, and they say that to themselves every day. And those are great, too. But I mean, they those aren't I don't necessarily use those I don't necessarily do the affirmations thing. Um, but that doesn't mean they're not great and that they don't serve a wonderful purpose. And so I think it's important to find what is your ideal like wellness routine? What does that look like? It sounds like for you, you really enjoy yoga. So that's great. Um, and then, you know, maybe trying five or I don't know how long your meditation is, whatever, whatever you choose to do. Um, but just using that as kind of your home base, because when I didn't have those things, like I said, I had more of that anxiety. I, I didn't know how to let the emotions come up. I didn't know how to process anything. I was just, I would just snap, you know, or I would get overly emotional or any of that stuff. So yeah, I would say, yeah. Yeah. I think, well, I think you're doing all the right things. <laughs> that's, that's great to hear, but also not great to hear for somebody who puts a lot of pressure on themselves to always do the right thing. So oh, that's fair. But also um, something that is kind of like a little bit off topic, I guess, but not really is like the, so obviously COVID uh, affects everybody differently. And something that I learned recently in therapy was I was like, like I was telling my therapist, I'm like, I'm paranoid of getting COVID. Like it, it really freaks me out. Like I'm very careful of like where I go, but I find that I um, and I've always been somebody who finds comfort in socializing. Like I like talking to people. It makes me feel present. I like seeing my friends. Like my home doesn't necessarily represent a safe space for me. Like it's physically safe, but in order for me to feel safe, I, I like socializing. And she's like, something you need to do is just like, like you can go for a walk with a friend and both be wearing a mask. Like you can do it safely and and not be so paranoid about COVID. And I was just, it just kind of made me realize like, okay, like I, I wasn't sure if I was actually being paranoid or if I was just reacting the way that everybody else is reacting. And I'm like, nope, I'm not going out. I'm not going for a walk. I'm not going to see anybody. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, I think that everybody, we kind of forget that not everybody feels safe just being in their house all day. Like a lot of people need to actually socialize to feel safe and healthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you're right. I also think people are, there's a, a wide range of, of people if they're an introvert or they're an extrovert and, and learning, you know, if that's changed for them over their life. And then certainly having time to really review that now during the pandemic when there's been such a pause. Um, but I think that you're, it's also completely understandable that you were feeling tons of different mixed messages and trying to make sense of it all because the, the, messages change every day and judgment just comes from a place of fear so whenever judgment's coming up for me and i'm judging somebody i try to recognize like what's going on with me that i'm doing that you know and so i think it's all about finding what is right for you what you feel safe doing and as long as you're not putting other people at risk yeah. then then i don't i don't think anyone else ha should have a say over what you are doing you know yeah that's how I feel about that. And I, I feel strongly about it, but I, I completely understand what you're saying. There's so much shaming, like there's tons of shaming and there's tons of, um, you know, just blame, like, because a lot of people are unsure of how to process their emotions. So it becomes a lot easier to just place blame. Um, but the, I, but the, the realistic, the reality, I don't know, I can't seem to find my words, but 
the reality is that nobody has the perfect answer to this situation because this is our first time experiencing it as a collective, you know? And so, yeah, there's going to be trial and error and what seems to be okay one month is not okay the next month. And so you really just have to go on what feels, feels right for you. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to ask you this because I find that this is something that I kind of struggle with as well. And maybe this is more of a therapy question. I'm not sure, but being mentally well has a stigma in the comedy community as well. Whereas like the more stable you become, the less funny you are. Right. Do you follow that at all? Do you believe that holds any validity? Um, I certainly do not, but I don't, but I know what you're talking about for sure. And I think that that is a very, that comes from a very troubled place because uh, how can someone, so is that saying, that comes from the whole starving artist or the, you know, like Van Gogh cutting off his ear type of mentality that like, that that's the way you have to live. Like in, in order to be an artist and to thrive at whatever your art is, like you have to also, um, be very unwell mentally or physically. Like to me, that just doesn't match. And like, you know, you give an example of Robin Williams, like that guy was an inspiration to so many people. I loved watching him growing up. He was such a light and what happened? I mean, he didn't take care of his mental health. So yeah, I'm definitely not a supporter of that, but I understand what you're talking about. And I think it's something that's been around for a very, very long time. So it's certainly not just in our generations. I think it's been around forever, but I think as things start to shift and people become more comfortable about talking about mental health in the West, um, I think that there will be a change because the moment you start talking about these things, the amount of support that you get is, is beautiful. Like it's crazy. Like people coming out of the woodworks, like, when I, I was doing a, the, the ego podcast, I was doing a podcast a, a lot about wellness and I just couldn't believe like the number of comedians in particular who were writing me private long letters about how, you know, they want to work on themselves and how can they do it or that they appreciate this. And so I think by doing this, you're, you're being a bit of a, a trailblazer, Juliana. I think that <laughs> anyone, no, seriously, I mean, there's other great comedians. I'm sure you've had them on here who talk about this and like, if anything, I just support them. So, yeah. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. And uh, I, I think that there's a great, like when I put out that article, uh, I, I like wrote a piece for the Comedy Tribune about like- Yeah, I read it, it was great. Comedy mental health. Uh, it is really scary. Like it is genuinely, and but there's a part of you that's like vain about it too, where I was just like, okay. I was like, it's been an hour and there's only 12 likes. Um, if it doesn't pick up the likes, I'm gonna delete it forever, forget it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's your uh, ego coming in, but yeah, I get it. I get it. That's yeah. right. You have to kind of remind yourself and just be like, this is a human experience. It's also very therapeutic to talk to with other comedians and like, mm-hmm. yeah. <clears throat> um, when, when I start or when myself and Courtney Gilmore and Marito uh, Lopez, when we did the fat artist group where we were doing a lot of videos to support artists and to really talk about mental health and try to have them as a basis for for uh, just a place where comedians could go and like learn how to meditate and learn about dealing with an anxiety attack or whatever. Um, yeah, we had a lot of those same kind of fears that would come up and and we talked about that, but the, the uh, response was really, really positive, like I said. So yeah, of course there's gonna be naysayers or whatever, but you just gotta, you know, stick to your own and just keep keep doing what feels right for you, you know? I can see there's a lot of ego in the entertainment world, right? And ego is just like a fear-based 
it's a, it's all fear. So you're right away, there's going to be people who kind of tap into that, unfortunately, but you just don't have to be one of those people and anyone supporting this and listening to this same thing. Anyone who wants to talk about mental health, like I'm a huge supporter of that. Yeah. 100%. I think that, uh, especially in this industry <clears throat> or like maybe any realm of the entertainment industry, it's like, you're just trying to find ways to like one up whatever your perceived competition is. Mm -hmm. you're like no I'm funny like they're doing the mental health thing or like everybody's just finding weird ways to feel like they are doing better or whatever that means to them you know what I mean right. yeah uh, also I uh I think that yeah just like you said like the stigma that you have to be mentally unwell to be funny also discredits all of your hard work it's like do you really think that everything that you've done and all of your writing and how funny you are on stage is all contributed to you like not going to therapy like that's yeah. a lot of weight like you don't you want to take some ownership for like what you've been able to do instead of just it being about poor mental health yeah and the, the other thing too that i find interesting particularly with comedians is like some of the most successful comedians around they practice some intense meditation or they go to therapy regularly or they so it's like as soon as they can afford it what yeah. specifically with therapy they're on it so it's like they just don't talk about it and i think that that's an important thing to say too it's like a lot of the people that you may admire are taking care of themselves as well you just may not know about it publicly so hopefully we'll get to a place where it will be more publicly known right 100 percent um dina thank you so much for doing this of course it's thank you lovely talking to you and catching up with you you too um, is there anything you'd like to plug at the end of this um no just my website I actually give a lot of talks on this stuff so you can if you want mention that but yeah just my website is my name.ca been good uh, i've been uh, i've been teaching so that's been kind of a gong show there's the back and forth out of lockdown and back into lockdown teaching from home then in person and i teach a pretty unique subject that it changes a lot if we go to online versus in person because i teach co-op so all my students are in placements and then like some of their placements shut down some of them some of them didn't so and our curriculum is designed for experiential learning, like for kids to be in placement. So when we have to develop a course for online learning, like we're literally just making stuff up because our curriculum is not designed for in-class learning. It's all about being in the workplace. So there's That's no great. real guidelines for us to follow. We have to think about, okay, what should kids learn about the workplace? And we have to teach it themselves rather than them experiencing it. So yeah, it's been a challenge holy shit wow yeah and how yeah. do you balance literally all of that with doing comedy and like keeping up your instagram <clears throat> and like working out and stuff like like it just sounds like you have a super chaotic schedule even though we're like in the yeah of yeah i've still i've kept pretty busy in the last year um uh i don't have much downtime to be honest um which I think sometimes takes away from my sleep because by the time I'm finished everything, like whether it be work and then marking and then recording a fitness video um, or doing any sort of comedy show, 
I sit down, it's like 10 o'clock and I'm like, well, am I going to go to bed right away and do this all over again? Or am I going to watch TV for a couple hours and actually get some time to myself? And then I wake up exhausted and it's a vicious cycle, but um, I enjoy most of it. Um, it is, it is challenging. I, I'll admit like today was crazy. You know, I, I taught till two 30, I rushed home. I had a meeting at three for this like fitness uh, initiative. I'm a part of that's like kind of across Canada called move camp Canada. And, uh, and then I have this with you, which I'm happy to do. Uh, and then I have an appointment at five 30. And <laughs> so I'm actually not getting a workout in uh, actually appointment at five o'clock. I'm not getting a workout in today. So today's a rest day, but yeah, my days are pretty busy. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot for sure. The That's Instagram wild. is definitely more work than people think when it comes to, uh, you know, trying to create content consistently and build your following. When I see your booty workouts, I literally like save all the videos. I'm like, save, 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 save. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to build my ass a little bit. <laughs> As is um, every girl in the world. Yeah, uh, 100%. And yeah, uh, peach. yeah, but I'm just like, I'm, I'm always so intrigued by how people uh manage to keep like a vigorous workout routine like a workout schedule and also like have time to do everything else and I honestly believe that like the more things that you have to do in your day the more energy you have weirdly enough because like I have literally nothing to do and I still somehow can't find time to work out or like I just get like too tired or too lazy yeah I yeah I totally know what you mean having a routine is really important and whether people like it or not i think as humans it's really important to have a routine and that's what i try to tell people if they're they're trying to get more fit i'm like you you have to build it into your routine every day and if for me i'm at a point where i don't have to work out at the same time every day i'm pretty disciplined enough that i'll I'll figure it out but if you're just getting into it i'm like you have to pick that time of day that's for you and commit to it. So whether I don't, I'm not a morning person. I've never been someone who can get up and and work out, whether it's like during the week, no dice, but during on the weekend, like I can, I can work out at like 10, but yeah, fitting it into your schedule and making it routine and, uh, and just prioritizing it. And some people think they have to go to the gym for like three hours or work out for three hours. It's not the case. I don't work out for more than like, depending on the workout that I do, um, I work out for more than an hour and 15 minutes and that's a long time. That's one of my longer workouts. I would say the usual is an hour to 55 minutes. And that's the type of workout I like. I don't like to kind of, you know, diddly dally around. I like go in with a plan. I write it down on my, I've got this whiteboard that I, (laughs) I bought for my live workouts, but I actually use it like every day because then my workouts there and then I can see it and I can get through it really, really quick. Yeah. Um, but certain workouts obviously take longer, but yeah, that's definitely a big misconception. People think, well, I just don't have time. I'm like, you have time. Yeah. <laughs> you can take, and it doesn't have to be an hour. You can take 20, 30 minutes. I'm like, just don't go on Instagram that day or, uh, don't watch one extra Netflix TV show. And like, there's your workout. So that's what it is. And, uh, and I think like the more things that you have going on, like, I'm definitely somebody who like, I need to have things going on in my day. Otherwise I start to get anxious. <laughs> and yeah. then when you start to get anxious, then it becomes kind of paralyzing. You're like, not sure what to do. So yeah. like to avoid that like cycle altogether. I also bought a whiteboard, uh, which I keep just like in my frame of vision at all times. 
because it's just so helpful. I feel like it's just so important. Like, why not? Everybody should have a whiteboard. <laughs> I will, like make shit up to like put on the whiteboard. I'm like, go buy pots for your plants or like whatever. <laughs> like it literally yeah. doesn't matter. Um, yeah, just to have like a little to-do list. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, and I'm always kind of like so interested because I, well, I met you about a year ago, like formally, mm-hmm. the icebreakers. Mm-hmm. Were you, um, when did you start your workout channel and like what inspired you to do both comedy and, and a workout channel simultaneously? Um, well, I decided to com- combine the two because A, I didn't want to have three Instagram accounts. Um, I barely use my personal one now, but, um, and B, nobody else was doing anything like that. I've never seen a comedian and fitness combo. So never. I think it's kind of unique. Absolutely. And, um, I've always, I've always been very active. So some people who, who don't know me very well might think I just started being active and that's also a huge misconception. It's, you know, people are very intimidated by my workouts and, and they see me demoing stuff and I, I am an athletic person. So I tell people, I'm like, I've been doing this my entire life. So don't try to compare yourself when you're on chapter one and I'm on chapter 40, you know? Um, so, and also I do like three to four reps in my video. <laughs> if you see me do the workout, I mess up all the time <laughs> and I, I, I fall, I lose my balance all the time. But, uh, I started last March. Um, I started doing Google meet workouts with my friends, okay. obviously like the gyms were closed and everything. And, and so we're all trying to like, think of how we could stay fit. So I worked, I texted a few friends one day. And I had developed this workout. It was like, I think it was eight exercises. I broke it down into two circuits. And I was like, guys, you just want to do this Google meet. Like, I'll show you how we can like get fit kind of together and stay motivated together. And, um, all we did was, uh, just like a body weight workout with a chair and I killed them. Like we were so tired and we we're so sweaty. So we started doing it regularly, like two, three times a week. And so I did that all the way until September. And then my friends, I, th- I was like, you know, I was thinking about incorporating some fitness stuff into my Instagram and everyone was very encouraging and kind of, yeah, told me to do it. I should have started it honestly back in like May. Cause then I was going into the summer and I'm a teacher and I don't work in the summer. So I would have had so much time to like create content and get videos in the bank, you know, so I didn't have to work so hard now, but I was hesitant and, you know, I was like, ah, I don't know how successful it'll be. So I didn't start it until September when I was starting my new school year. It was the dumbest timing ever. <laughs> I was like the busiest time of my year. And I decided to start another initiative at that point. Anyways, it's, it's worked out. It's been fun. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very time consuming. It's a lot of work. But... That's wild. I think that's so cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right. When you said there's, there is literally, I don't know any fit comedians. Like there are <laughs> straight up Not- bro. Uh, so yeah. that's a very, very smart, um, idea. I think that's, famous. there's a, there's a few, I find fit men as bad as it sounds. I don't know as many fit women, female comics. 
I honestly don't know. I just kind of view comedians as just being generally unhealthy. So like maybe, I, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm generalizing on my end, but no. it's, it's definitely yeah. it's a stereotype that has truth to it. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a very, it's a lifestyle that doesn't really coincide with health and fitness, right? It's really hard. Like if you're on the road, you're, you're working late at night and you get home hungry. It's like, who wants to cook at that time? You're surrounded. You're always in bars and restaurants around like pub food and alcohol you get paid in alcohol sometimes like it's really not conducive to a healthy lifestyle so you definitely have to sometimes you got to resist the urge and uh and stick yeah. to your guns but it's it's challenging sometimes yeah no doubt um I guess my next question for you is how how does wellness and like staying fit like play because I'm honestly just so fascinated by this as somebody who is also trying to balance like in the pandemic, like writing and like being mentally stimulated while also being like physically stimulated. Like mm -hmm. what, how do you stay motivated, I guess, to do all of those things simultaneously? Like, how do you not drop the ball on like one of those things? I find that so fascinating. Oh, I've definitely dropped the ball on like comedy a little bit. I haven't been writing very much. I haven't been reading very much. I'm not a big reader to begin with which sounds funny because I'm a teacher. Don't but... Like I will straight up tell, I, I fully don't read. Uh... I have a problem. Like I really don't like reading. It's very, <laughs> I love watching documentaries. I, I don't mind learning, but there's something about reading that is very boring to me. And I'll, it's so, it's a really weird, um, like something that's so weird to me. It's so adverse to because I'll read something and I'll actually like what I'm reading. But once I put it down, it's very hard for me to go back, even though I remember liking it. It's very strange. Yeah. So I guess I have to remember that when I'm wondering, I'm like, how do people not work out? It's so great. Yeah. Um, well, some people probably think like, how do you not like reading? I do it three hours a day. Um, I don't know how so I definitely, I, I do drop the ball a little bit for okay. sure. Um, and I think it all stands with where are your priorities and this comes true to um especially like when in a picture pandemic aside when you have so many more options of things to do um whether it be after work and on the weekends and stuff you know there's always so much to do with your friends and there's always outings and social events and you really have to prioritize and think of okay well if I if I go out tonight then I might have to skip the event on Thursday or and that's what it comes down to. I, I prioritize my workouts. Um, I've gotten better with, I used to prioritize them to a fault where I'd miss, sorry, I have something floating around my head. Um, I would miss like kind of fun events or I'd, um, you know, not go to my parents for dinner because I wanted to do a workout class instead. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of like missing out on key things, you know? So I've gotten better with balance and, um, and still making time for family. Like, you know, today, for example, uh, I'm not working out because I have physio and then I have my, someone, my brother asked for me to come over for dinner. So, um, yeah, I could have said no and been like, no, I'll see you on the weekend. But I was like, well, why, why would I say no? I worked out yesterday. I worked out Monday. Like I can give it up. So right. yeah, I'd say, so that was a long answer for a question, but no, that's prioritize. Great. Um, definitely think of what your goals are and if you uh, want to achieve those goals you have to make time to put in the work right it's all about just like making time to put in the work 100% and yeah uh, for somebody like me sometimes it can be uh, like if I find that 
on this day, I'm like particularly more anxious. It kind of like makes you paralyzed. Like I, I just feel like I, I can't work out because then if I do work out, then I'm kind of like burning the candle at both ends. And then I feel like physically exhausted and that adds to like more anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. So you don't find working out gives you energy at first? It, for, for it, sometimes it depends. Uh, if it's like a vigorous workout where I'm like jumping up and down and doing stuff like that, I have to have like a full night's rest, have been eating well for like a few days and mm-hmm. feel that energy already. Whereas like, I don't know, I feel I benefit mostly from yoga or like okay. low, impact, low impact stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because that's another thing, like finding what you like in terms of fitness is so important because finding out what works for you, because if you don't like it, you're not going to do it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a big thing for sure. So, um, but then I do yoga and I'm like, this isn't growing my ass. This is not (laughs) what I'm trying to do. You know, this is true. Yeah. If, uh, if, if that's your, your fitness, if in terms of your fitness, if you want to grow that peach, yeah. You got to do them deadlifts and squats and kickbacks and all that fun stuff. But I mean, you can still grow your butt and do a lot of low impact stuff for sure. Okay. Please expand on that. Cause I am not, I did not know that was a thing. I was like, if I'm not like lifting weights that I definitely can't handle, then I'm definitely not going to get those glutes that I want. Well, you you start, everyone's got a starting point and then you will, if you don't, um, increase, you know, the intensity and the like volume of your workout. So if you don't increase your weight, yes, you will plateau at a certain point. Okay. Um, but one of the rules of fitness, unfortunately, is the fitter you get, the fitter, it, the harder it is to get more fit. Okay. Right. So I, when you're starting out, you know, if you have a pretty small bum, like, you know, you do some basic, just like squats. And like, I posted a few videos recently of like body weight, um, bum exercises. I posted a reel. If you go onto my reel, it says like booty work, um, exercises like that will, will grow your glutes for sure. And then eventually you'll get to a point where your, your ass will be too strong and (laughs) you'll have to, you'll have to incorporate those weights if you want to get bigger. It's just like a bicep curl, you know, eventually curling 10 pounds is too easy. So you got to up that weight or your muscle isn't going to grow anymore. I love that. But going back to what you said before about nutrition. Oh, that's the one thing I tell people always to get in control before they even attempt to do fitness because a, like you're obviously when you start your fitness, you're not going to be in great shape. So you're going to have that working against you. You are going to feel tired naturally because you're going to be out of breath. Your muscles are going to be sore. They're going to fatigue quickly. And it's going to just be, um, it's going to be magnified. That feeling's going to be magnified if they're not eating properly. I'm like, your body's like a vehicle and it needs good fuel. Mm -hmm. So if you're not feeling good about, if your body's not fueled properly, you're not going to feel good about your workout because you're going to, you're going to want to feel like you're going to throw up. And that's probably not because you're that out of shape. It's probably because your body doesn't have the right nutrients to like fuel that workout. So that's one, another thing that's, that's super, super important. That's amazing. What, um, what would be like the, is, is your diet, does your diet change depending on your target for the workout or does your, like, if your diet is the same and you're able to change the workout, do you know what I mean by that? Like, like if I'm lifting heavy one day, do I eat differently? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, no, my diet stays, stays pretty consistent. I find the only thing that might change is what I eat after and the amount. And I, I'm purely an intuitive eater. I don't like, I don't know if you've heard people talking about like counting their macros and, you know, they don't eat carbs and stuff. I'm not like that at all. Um, I've taken enough, uh, nutrition and, and shockingly, I've read some fitness books. I taught fitness for years uh, as a high school teacher. So I've read up on the subject a lot and I know what foods are nutrient dense and, and what are empty calories. And, um, so I would say my nutrition does not change. It's just the amount. Sometimes I'll be starving after a workout. And like last night, um, I posted on my Instagram, I made this like turkey veggie, uh, nourish bowl. And it was just like ground turkey and sauteed veggies on a bed of greens. And it was delicious, but I ate it. And I was like, five minutes later, I'm like, I feel like I'm getting hungry again. So I just made myself another one and I had more. So sometimes I just eat a bit more protein if I feel like I'm going to need it. And like, if I feel like I've burned a lot of calories that day, cause you don't want to go into too much of a deficit. Um, because then again, you'll be low energy. Right. Yeah. And I guess that's like the hardest thing to manage. Like I've recently like stopped eating red meat and, um, do you find that like, or, or in your experience, do you, do you find that some people actually need it? Like, should I take it out? Red meat? Yeah. Like, should I take it out of my diet completely and be fine? Or do you believe in the thing where it's like kind of eating intuitively where if I feel like I'm low energy and I genuinely feel like I will get something from eating a steak that I should just eat it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't think I wouldn't eat steak every day, but as women, we tend to have low iron, you know, naturally. So which I suffered from for years. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say most women do. And my story behind that is I had fibroids. I've had two surgeries and, um, yeah, I had, um, so I had such low iron at one point I was getting iron infusions in the hospital. Like they'd go in and put an IV in me and just like pump iron into me. Cause I went through university, like sleeping through class every day. And I thought, whether the class was at 1 30 in the morning, uh, in the afternoon or like 8 AM, I fall asleep. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And, um, I was so iron deficient that I was anemic. I think your iron's supposed to be at like 80. Mine was at four. Oh my like God. It was, yeah. It was so low. My doctor was like, I don't know how you're functioning. And I'm like, I just, you got used to it and you think it's normal. I was like, oh, I'm just in university. Everybody's tired. Yeah. But then when I started getting iron infusions, I was, it was funny. I was talking, I've kind of gone off topic here, but I was talking to my friend who worked for the Canadian center for ethics and sport because, uh, she would do all the drug testing and stuff. And I was like, are people, are athletes allowed to have iron infusions? Like, especially female athletes, because that's what I've been getting. And I felt incredible. Like all of a sudden I was working out and I was just like, I felt superhuman. And it's just, it's probably cause I just felt normal. <laughs> but to me, that wasn't normal. Right. I felt, I was like, I have so much energy. Like my endurance was like through the roof. And uh, yeah, it was all because of the iron. So I was like, athletes gotta start doing that. I don't know if it's illegal, but, um, but yeah, steak have your steak, you know, if you think, yeah. if you think you need it and you enjoy it, have a steak. Um, yeah. there's other sources of iron. I, I don't think it'll give you that much. I wouldn't have a steak right before your workout. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh God. Yeah. 
Um, that's so funny, actually, that you mentioned that. I also was extremely iron deficient in college. I was eating, first of all, like working out didn't exist. I went to yeah. the Humber Comedy Program. So I was just like, yeah. and I was a, com- a commuter student on top of that. So I was like coming from Thornhill into Humber Lakeshore, Etobicoke, and then like into the city for shows at night and then back up to Thornhill. So it was just like, I was out from 8 a.m. to like sometimes midnight just eating beef patties and like street food and like (laughs) water. I didn't even know that I had to drink that much water. Like it was so bad. I'm not sure how I didn't end up in some sort of like hospital because, (laughs) and yeah, and I was extremely iron deficient and vitamin D deficient and my doctor, same reaction. They were just like, I'm, how do you not notice anything wrong with you? And I'm like, everybody just complains that comedians are tired and we're all haggard and blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah God. it just becomes your sense of normal for sure right the bar I was like it was low. it's a type of fatigue though that's like I physically could not stay awake in class and I felt so bad because it was probably so insulting to the professors like literally I'm full out sleeping on my desk and like waking up in dreams and stuff oh. and then I was um and the problem with like working out too is that even you lose iron through your sweat. So I was playing university basketball. And so we were practicing every day and then we had tournaments and then I probably wasn't, and even as an athlete, I probably wasn't eating that well because I was stressed and doing schoolwork and you, you prioritize that. So you're just eating on the go all the time. So I'd say now I have way more knowledge on nutrition and I've also I'm kind of a picky eater which I think is hard for some people as well because it's hard to find like healthy food that you like so I'd say that's the one thing I've really utilized Instagram for there's so many great accounts out there that have like awesome recipes and like they're super healthy and they're really really tasty yeah so yeah because I'm not a great cook that's for sure I definitely have to follow the recipes I scare people, <laughs> legitimately scare people with the meals that I post. Um, <laughs> very scary. I once I put a sausage onto Wonder Bread and just folded it in half and thought that was okay. <laughs> um, definitely. Oh, no, Wonder Bread looks like eating cake. <laughs> oh, like it, yeah, cake and sausages. That's like, I thought that was right. And that wasn't that long ago. That was maybe, I don't know, eight months ago. Um, <laughs> so I'm really trying to turn it around. Um, I know that we're kind of crunched for time, but I just wanted to get into it quickly. Um, and I guess because I don't know that much about you, like, again, like we met at the Icebreakers Comedy Festival, but when did you start doing comedy? Cause that seems kind of like an interesting transition. Like you're super athletic in college and you're on the basketball team and everything. And then just like, boom, started doing comedy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like when random, did that eh? happen for you? Like, when did you make that decision? Yeah, it's a random combination of hobbies um, slash careers. So I I usually start by saying like I was a server for seven years as a waitress while I was trying to become a permanent teacher, going through teacher's college, supply teaching and serving like working in the restaurant industry. I don't know if you've ever worked in a restaurant. It's kind of it's chaos. There's a lot of funny stories that come out of it. And then on top of that, with my friends, I was always kind of the goofball, like just love to storytell and make people laugh. And with serving, I would come home from a shift or come to my, get to my friend's place after a shift on a Friday night. 
and just have, I worked at Pizza Hut okay, for four years. Uh, and then I worked at Boston Pizza for another three years. Um, so I worked at all the pizza joints and Pizza Hut in particular was an absolute gong show. It was a really fun job because um, I loved the people that I worked with, but it was just chaos and the clientele was very low budget. And like the workers, you know, you have these 15 year olds working in the cook in the as cooks and it was a gong show. So I used to come back with my friends and I just put on this like full on act about my night and tell them all the shit stories that happened and the shit show that it was. And I'd make them laugh really hard. And then one of my friends, uh, we were talking about stand up. I guess we had all just watched something on TV or, and my friend was like, Jen, you should try stand up. And and my softball coach was with us at the time, actually. And he was like, oh my God, yes. And he like went on the Absolute Comedy website, figured out how to get on amateur night. And I think that was in January. And then I emailed them in June or July. I was on stage in August. So there was like a nine month period there where I kind of sat on it. I wrote some stuff down and then I did it. And for the first like two years, I would say, I didn't take it too seriously. I just, I did shows every couple months. And then other than the summer, I would do more then because I would do like competitions and uh, the competitions is what kind of solidified my love for it um, because you do so many. And I was like, this is a lot of fun. The competition part, I didn't find very fun, but the stage time was great. And um, yeah, I just fell in love with it. And uh, so serving and teaching hand in hand, like they just gave me, I always say, like, I think back and I love, I, I'll admit it. I like comedy way more than I like teaching, but obviously teaching is a very <laughs> financially stable position. Um, I do like teaching, but my passion is definitely performing and making people laugh yeah. and fitness. Um, but I wouldn't have comedy without teaching right like my first 10 minutes was all teaching stuff um and even though serving also contributed I don't tell that many serving stories because they're kind of only funny if you know me or if you were there so I can't say I, I do many like waitressing stories but yeah teaching definitely catapulted my my career we'll call it yeah, that's, that's so interesting. Uh, and, and 100%, I mean, like, I think every, most comedians, I find it's very rare to like hit the ground running. Like definitely for me, like the first two years, mm -hmm. it was like that inconsistent kind of like, okay, one show every couple months. And then yeah. you like, you find that thing that like really clicks with you. And then you're just like, oh, okay, like, let's just do it. Or yeah. like, you know, somebody that you like said something nice about your set and you're just like, okay, well now I have to do this like once a week or whatever. Yeah. 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 You get into a rhythm and then you realize how much you improve and you like feel more comfortable if you're on stage more regularly. Cause I found when I was doing it every couple of months, I'd get so nervous for every show. And now I get like nervous, but it's more like excited to get on stage um, I mean, first shows coming back after this pandemic, I'm going to be so nervous because obviously we haven't been on stage in so long, but, um, yeah, like getting into that rhythm and it's, it's a lot of fun. Right. That's great. And, uh, you're doing Zoom shows. Um, I've only done actually, I feel like I was supposed to do one didn't come through. I don't think I've done one. Yeah. I, uh, 
I I've been in like a denial phase where I'm just like, I don't want to do zoom shows because then to me, that means this pandemic is going to take longer than I had initially thought. <laughs> and yeah. I don't want to admit that to myself yet. And then I did one because I was like, listen, it, whatever it is, what it is, just mm-hmm. try it out. And it was actually not that bad. Like it was, it was for what it is. It's, it's kind mm-hmm. of fun. My boyfriend has done many of them and he, he really enjoys it. He's like, I mean, I guess it's because he started their, the first thing they tried to do for comedy was like drive-ins. Yeah. And that was horrible. Oh God. Um, I do not recommend that. And now he does so many zoom gigs and um, he's like, it's great. I don't have to leave my house. I get paid for literally 20 minutes of work. There's no travel time, like no commute. Don't have to worry about that. And uh yeah, just ask like one or two people to sorry just ask like one or two people to keep their mics on and then yeah that's right I was gonna say you don't have to give it to be sketchy gas money like yeah yeah, like people that I have given money for but you know me rightfully so obviously you take me to a gay I'm gonna give you gas money so weird about it sometimes I'm like Jesus Christ just take this don't make the password something weird and (laughs) uh and that's it you know yeah 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 for sure um, okay. I miss it so much though. What's that? I miss it so much though. I miss you know, that feeling of like performing in front of 200 people and it's, I <sighs> have, uh, I've had definitely a rough couple weeks about it. Like, you know, Blitzkrieg Bob came on. I know it sounds so fucking corny, but it's like, <laughs> that was what happened. That's what we listed like at Yucks. That was like the theme song. And it just oh, okay. emotional. I was like, what the, f- what's happening? <laughs> this is crazy I was just crying to like metal heavy rock metal music I have to believe that we'll someday get back to that yeah someday I think it's gonna be another year or so before we're back to like some packed rooms but (sighs) we'll make it through well that was great oh I will mention um for my Instagram like if anybody wants to follow me it's all things fit and funny that is my Instagram. Um, and I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that people watch my videos or, uh, like even just the slides that I post and they don't realize like through the live workouts too, I give a lot of modifications. So if you ever think you can't do it, it's like, you might not be able to do the advanced version, but I will give a modification. And the good thing is like slow, watch your body, improve and watch yourself slowly be able to do the advanced version yeah and that's weighted version that is literally the most rewarding thing is like when you start out doing push-ups with your knees bent and then you can actually do a full push-up and even though yeah. it's a couple of them it gives you so much more like incentive yeah. to keep going and it's like oh it's yeah so that's so motivating and push-ups when is live- actually sorry sorry when do you do the live workouts I do them on Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and then Saturdays at 10 a.m. Once in a while, the schedule will change. Uh, I think I've only missed one Saturday in the last, like, since September. Um, So, like, last Saturday went snowboarding. So, I I always do two a week. So, I did Tuesday and Thursday last week. But I always announce it on my story. um, But I try to keep it as consistent as possible. So, yeah. Wonderful. Uh, Jen, thank you so much for doing this podcast. I, uh, I can't wait for this episode to come out. I wanted to do something like wellness workout themed. Uh, so I was gonna, yeah, have you on and maybe somebody else, maybe Dina Jackson. She's the only other comedian that I know 
uh, eats properly and takes care of themselves. So maybe I'll just <laughs> do that. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. This was lovely chatting with you. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to hang out with you again and do some shows and shit and like yeah. forget this ever happened. <laughs> for sure. Thanks so much for having me. It was good to uh, to see you and talk to another human being.